You're with Clement Maniatella. 702. So, the EFF launched its election manifesto in KwaZulu-Natal this past weekend. And what we'll be doing over the next couple of weeks, because the DA is launching theirs this weekend, this coming weekend, the ANC is launching theirs the, the, the following weekend. So we'll bring in um, these political parties to come and talk to us about what commitments and promises they're making to you um, as the potential voter um, and also bring in some analysis as well. So joining us this morning uh, to talk to us about the EFF manifesto is Mzonele Mani, who is an, a member of parliament uh, for the EFF. Thank you so much for coming to studio. Hi, uh, Clement, and uh, good morning to all your listenership. Yeah, I, I want us to... Um, in fact, before you do that, yes? on your half past ten, you must yeah. tell your mining expert that's going to be here yeah? that uh, South Africa, at the current mining rate of coal, has got over 200 ore reserves uh, of coal. So, therefore, the EFF government will ensure that uh, that coal is properly used uh, to fire up and create base load for the country. We're not going to mothball uh, plants and all of that. We're going to open those plants and we're going to exploit mm. that coal. Coal is going to be the lead uh, generator of uh, energy. Is that how you're going to be able to stop load shedding in six months? Yeah, correctly. Because this load shedding is actually artificially created. Uh, we actually have installed, installed, we've got no less than 46,000 uh, 46, uh, megawatts uh, that, are, that, are, that are installed. And what we have now is a situation of um, this thing is just really just uh, uh, being um, manufactured. We've got plants that are closed. You've got all kinds of man-made uh, problems. So the EFF is going to bring clean governance in that uh, space and make sure that uh, base load is uh, into uh, the installed capacity. Mm-hmm. So now that we're already in it, uh, we'll go through the other yeah. commitments you've made as well. So still on load shedding. Um, so you're saying coal then becomes what you use primarily. Um, is that not going to cost a lot of money? What lot of money? Uh, we, 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 we currently have coal plants. Uh, so all that needs to happen is that uh, we have to just invest in the clean burn technology just to make sure that as we burn the coal, we burn it in an environmentally responsible manner. But we actually have uh, enough uh, base load uh, uh, installed. We're actually using less than installed uh, base load uh, of, uh, of, uh, of, of coal. So if we're just to leverage that, we are back in business uh, sooner than later. I mean, even six months is too much. Uh, we could do it much, much uh, uh, closer, even three months by basically. The EFF will stop mm-hmm. this load shedding in no time. And then what, how, what's your position as the EFF on uh, renewable energy and IPPs? We, we, don't, we, we don't have a problem. We just see those as uh, top-ups uh, and so on. We don't see that as the main uh, because... Uh, those uh, the renewables. I mean, I mean, if you look right now, the system requires energy, but the renewables are not responsive because the renewables you can't plug and play. Uh, renewables respond to weather. So right now, uh, you have a, a serious uh, uh, electricity requirement, and when you say hello, new renewables, you will say sorry, I've got no sun today. Sorry, I've got no wind today. So I can't help you. So therefore, you need something much more dependable and that's where coal comes in so that's why coal will be our core and also look at uh, things like gas uh, and all of that so those kinds of uh, uh, sources are the sources that uh, make sense 
top-ups with uh, renewables, yes, but it's not something you can depend on. Yeah, and, and what happens to the agreements that, I mean, I imagine that those would need to change, that, for instance, our government has signed um, with other Western countries where we've gotten funding. In return, we've made commitments that we're going to reduce our reliance um, on fossil, fossil fuel um, hence, we're going to start decarbonizing as well and closing some of the power stations. What would be your position when it comes to the commitments to try and reduce carbon dioxide? No, look, in terms of uh, uh, carbon reduction, the EFF is on board in terms of carbon reduction, but we're not going to do it in a manner to spite our face, uh, as it were. I mean, if you look now, the, 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 the coal exports have uh, quadrupled uh, by the same people that are saying we must not burn coal. So what is it that they're doing with our coal? Uh, if you go to KZN, there's no, there's no space to go. Entry is chock-a-block with trucks taking coal out of the country. Where is this coal going if coal is out of fashion? So uh, the FF government is not a stupid government. It's a government that is very uh, scientific. So we are not going to allow a situation where we just take our coal away and be left with uh, something that is uh, not uh, dependable. Mm. Today, I mean, the sky is grey, so therefore you can't call on renewables. Mm. But if you had to just burn the, the power plants, and the whole thing is going to work. Let's talk about insourcing, because uh, I had that in, in the manifesto as well. What's the plan around that? Do you plan on insourcing every worker um, of government? Yeah, look, our, our, our approach into uh, state machinery, is that we want to build the capacity of the state. Yeah, that's what we want to do. In fact, if, the, if you have to build the capacity of the state to what it should be, you'd actually almost do a serious blow to corruption. Uh, we can't have a situation where we've got wholesale uh, outsourcing of the core businesses of the state. Uh, we, we, uh, maintenance of the state uh, infrastructure must be maintained by the state mm. uh, and all of that. So the situation where even to write a speech, we outsource. Everything is outsourced. We're going to put a stop to that. We'll probably outsource uh, uh, consumables. Uh, we're not going to manufacture a broom. We'll buy a broom mm-hmm. and all of that. And all of those kinds of consumables, we'll still uh, buy those. But the core delivery issue, supply of bulk infrastructure will be done by the state. The building mm-hmm. of the roads will be done by the state and all of that. So that's what we want to do. What becomes the role of the private sector then when you're in charge? Yeah, but this is what I just told you. They will do the consumables, uh, as it were. They will still manufacture the brooms uh, and all of that. And uh, in certain instances, we'll have private uh, public partnerships, uh, as it were. We're definitely going to need the private sector, but the role of the private sector will not be to take over government. We're not going to have that. The private sector will do what they need to do uh, to enable uh, 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 the state. For instance, if we go into the robotics field as an, as, as an example, some private sector company might maybe manufacture uh, the robot, uh, as it were. The state will take by that robot, but will make sure that the hospitals uh, have got the best equipment so that the state uh, doctors are able to use the latest technology in uh, dealing with the health issues of the people. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going to do, as opposed to outsourcing healthcare. We want the state to be a central provider of health services. That's what we want to do. Issue of schooling. We want to make sure that the state is the, is the sole provider of a schooling at the highest level uh, possible. This is what we want to do. The state must uh, uh, 
the capacity, the custodian of the uh, centrality of the lives of our, of our people. That's what we want to achieve. So the, your kids then, as, as politicians of the EFF, would have your kids go to public schools because you would be revolutionizing those schools to offer good service. Yeah, I mean, if, if you had to go to Bara today as an example, I can sleep in Bara, I can tell this without uh, uh, thing because they've now improved Bara to a state that the EFF is looking at. So, I mean, if you look at Bara as a model, uh, for instance, there should be, anybody can go there. I mean, I've been there myself do, do, uh, doing oversight. I look at the machinery they have there, whether it's radio, whatever, uh, all of those uh, sophisticated medical machinery. That's what you want to have in a state uh, 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 hospital. So Bara is already there. It's a chalk and cheese of what it used to be. We need to get, uh, for instance, uh, a Tembisa hospital to the uh, state of Bara, mm-hmm. uh, as it was. So all of those. So it should be, it should be, it should be normal. Uh, that question should not even arise. It should be normal to go to a public institution and get the best service. Mm. You said you're going to be doubling, doubling social grants. Where, where do you plan to get the money from to do that? We, I mean, if you look at what we want to do with corporate tax, we think the corporates have been having a free ride. Uh, currently, they're paying something like, is it 20, 24, 28%? We'll uh, bump that up to 32%. So that will be the first place that we're going to do. Uh, more corporate tax, we'll look at wealth so tax. them higher. Yeah, we'll tax them higher. That will give us the revenue to be able to provide these others. And by the way, uh, all of that is not being punitive. Uh, it's actually, if you look at the multiplier effect, because here's the situation, uh, Clement. You see, you can't say you've got 60 million people of South Africa, and yet of the 60 million people of South Africa, only... Uh, 10 million is actually the market because you can't be the market if you haven't got the money. Mm. So all of these things that we want to do are actually at the, at the fullness of time have got a multiplier effect to ensure that the, uh, the 10 million people that are providing the tax base become 20 million, become 30 million, become 40 million. So the investment into that will be from everywhere, from the, from the private sector, also from the government sector, to ensure that the quality of life of everyone is uplifted. Once the quality of life is uplifted, that's very good for business. Business want people that can afford. So therefore, the business must have a stake in uplifting everyone. So we're going to ensure that uh, we, we, we wire things that way. Yeah. Are you not worried that that may have a reverse um, impact where business then starts saying, we're not able to consume, um, I mean, to absorb, I mean, to absorb as, as, as much as we can in terms of the labor force because we're paying high corporate taxes. I mean, already now you talk about the minimum wage. A lot of them are saying we can't hire more because there's this expectation that we must pay it's, each worker at this level, at the lower level. It's an understandable argument if you're looking at their revenues right now. So they're looking at the revenues they get and they're trying to do the numbers and say the numbers don't check out. But I'm saying to you that uh, if you, in, that's why I'm saying that the, the EFF strategy is to actually increase the market. Mm. So once the market is increased, once you can sell more baked beans than you've been selling uh, yesterday, then it's, uh, the issue of employing becomes a, a no-brainer. So therefore the EFF is actually, what the EFF seeks to do is actually good for business because what we want is not just, I mean, l- l- let me give a quick example. South Africa used to be in apartheid state, and by the way, I've got experience of this. At my age, I've lived in apartheid, I've lived in the democracy. If you look at what happened in apartheid state, where you had a handful of white people, 
that were actually having it all uh, to themselves. Today, with the doubling up of the market and, and, and opening up with a lot more Africans that are now part of the, of the equation, mm. the apartheid companies, the checkers of apartheid, is making 10 times, if not more than that, than the, 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 the checkers of the new democracy is making more money than checkers of apartheid. Why is that? It's because you've increased the, 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 the tax net. So that's what is going to happen. When we say our uh, 2024 is our 1994, that's the situation that we are, I'm, I'm trying to paint to you, that we're now back to our old uh, pre-1994 stage. The current market that we have is a, a market of exclusivity. So we want to broaden the market to kind of a situation uh, that we're having now where you have a Ramaphosa that is excited about 28 million people that are on grant funding. I mean, this is, this is a crisis uh, situation. So we want to make sure that all those 28 million people, the ones that are fit and able to work, are able to work. I mean, we have a, a very, very, very sinister, a very funny situation in this country where even medical doctors, they've got WhatsApp groups of over a thousand people. They're unemployed. I mean, how silly is that? So this is why we need a a government with a vision. We need an EFF government that knows what to do to ensure that we increase the market base so that even companies uh, have got uh, product, have got people that can buy their products. What's your plan around land? Um, is it a plan to expropriate 50% of land um, from white people before the end of next year? Because that's what Julia Spalema said and give it back to uh, the rightful owners, um, Africans, so to speak. How do you plan on doing that? Yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's put that into proper perspective. What the EFF is saying is that the land of South Africa belongs to all the people of South Africa. This is what we, it's not just to a few. So as, the, as things stand right now, land does not belong to all the people of South Africa. It belongs to, to, it belongs to a handful. Even that handful that has all the land does not use it optimally for the benefit of all. So I want to, I want to give you an example of, for instance, the waterfall model. Uh, as it were, as a quick example, uh, in, in Waterfall, you've got uh, state-of-the-art businesses, you've got large houses, it's the creme de la creme, it's actually fast overtaking Hyde Park, uh, that area, modern house, greenhouses and all of that, but not one soul in, uh, in, 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 in Waterfall has a title deed, uh, as it, everybody's leasing, the, the, the residents are leasing, the business people are leasing, and no one is crying foul. So what is the problem if you take waterfall in South Africa, a waterfall of South Africa? This is what the EFF is simply saying. So if there's no problem with waterfall, why can't you expand, the, expand that model for the entire country? This is what he's saying. So that you don't have a situation where you drive in the free state, you drive towards KZN, you see vast amount of land and uh, somebody there is sitting saying, it's my land issue, but you're doing nothing with that land. So if you are doing proper farming. The EFF don't want to chase you away. What all we want is to make sure that the land is optimally used and we remove people also from the wetlands and all of that so that the environment can can get a breather and do what the environment needs to do. We will remove people in Stuartla. We're not going to formalize Stuartla and put electricity there, no, because that area is not suitable for human habitation remove people there, relocate them to a, a, a nearby area somewhere, uh, and all of that. So there's enough land uh, for everyone to to farm. There's enough arid land where we can mm. put houses, 
as opposed to taking uh, arable land mm. and you put houses. That's stupid. So you're not paying for that land. So if there's a John who owns a land and they're not using it, it's a whole plot. They're not using it for farming or anything. You go and you expropriate the land with no compensation. Oh, yeah. Well, well if you're not using it, of course, we'll expropriate without compensation, particularly if uh, you are not going to show us how you even got a hold of that land. How are you but, going yeah. to move around the legislation? The first thing that we're going to do is to amend the constitution. The EFF is not going to create an anarchy situation. We're not going to go around evicting people. The first thing we're going to do okay. is to change the constitution. Whatever we do will be legally sound. So the first thing, amend the constitution, amend section 25, remove all those uh, uh, clauses in section 25 that create a problem and make it explicit uh, that this is what uh, mm. we want to do. I mean, if you look now, a lot of people say you don't need to do anything uh, with Section 25. You can do the expropriation of the conversation with the current uh, formulation. They will say, okay, fine. So, therefore, it should mean that there should be no fundamental problem with this issue. So, therefore, let's just make it explicit that in Section 25, this is what you're going to do. Remove all the ambiguities in Section 25 so that uh, we can do this. Okay. Zonel Lemani, thank you so much for popping in and helping us understand what some of your critical commitments are as we head to the elections. Thank you for your time. Okay, no, thank you very much. The EFF government is coming. It's coming? Yeah. Good luck. Thank you. 25 after 10 o'clock. 702. The Clement Manya Taylor Show. Let's walk the talk. All right. I want to bring in now the EWN politics editor, Sidi Madia, for some analysis. She was there in KwaZulu Natal this weekend. Sidi, how are you doing? Hello, Sidi. Can you hear me? I can, Clement. Good morning. Great. Have you forgotten to press the unmute? <laughs> KK, we got you now. Thank you so much for making time for us. Let's start with, uh, why is there still an obsession about filling up stadiums? Like, it's like political parties are competing. Oh, who's going to fill up the stadium? Who's going to fill this one up? First of all, was the EFF able to fill that stadium this past weekend? And two, I mean, is it still really a thing that if you fill up a stadium, somehow that speaks to the kind of overwhelming support you have? Uh, first of all, it's silly because it doesn't translate to ballots. Um, and in fact, the EFF is a beautiful case study of that. The EFF over the years does really well with events, has massive turnout that doesn't translate to it being the dominant party in the country. So stadiumology, as we call it, is really ridiculous. I was actually quite surprised at how people got sensitive about the fact that I tweeted at a particular hour that was what that. the stadium looks like. Mm. What was surprising for me, who's covered the EFF really for almost as long as it's been around, is I've seen EFF events, Clement. They don't get packed to capacity. They get packed to a point where even the narrow passages, so the little crevices within the stadium, are filled with people who are dying to lap up Julius Malema um, and whatever he has to say. So I first, when I arrived there, I actually immediately felt the the mood was quite flat at the stadium. Um, It was full. Let's not get on what was full. But not to capacity, there were patches. Mm. And it's not what you used to seeing when you attend EFF events. So those things were there. And I think by by yes, that Sunday, in a lot of the conversations I had with fighters, they too actually felt that it wasn't up to their own standard. And there was a lot of um, blaming of each other, back and forth shifting. And if you listen to Julius Manema carefully, 
The pot shots directed at Fred Shivambu and I tweeted that we're not for nothing. It spoke to him, who's a deployee in the province. It spoke to Marshal Damini, who's a secretary general, who's also responsible for the event. Yeah. And it spoke to how I read that the leader of the organization was not happy with how the event was mm. organized and how it came together. When you look at this manifesto for the 2024 elections versus the 2019 manifesto for those elections, I didn't see a lot of differences. In fact, it was almost the same document. Did you pick up anything different? Yeah, it was a bit of a rinse and repeat, but I do think that there's a particular focus, obviously, on load shedding now more than ever, you know, a six-month commitment to get rid of load shedding, nine million jobs, um, the issue of 20 years of energy security that will come with it. Um, I also think it was interesting that he, he focused a little bit on illegal guns. And I think that spoke to where we were. And that's something that Jonathan Manama does well, is that he'll adapt to the moment. So in KwaZulu-Natal, there is concerns about uh, political intolerance, political killings, the violence, um, these illegal guns. And he spoke about this, saying that there is actually a need to go to the borders, tracing it specifically to the Mozambican border, saying that we need to manage what's happening there. Also, wanting random raids, money raids in people's homes uh, by the police and the SAND in order to try and deal with the guns. Not a lot of differences. I do think it was a rinse and repeat because, Clement, by and large, the issues that were persistent in 2019 remain uh, relevant. So the issue of jobs and load, um, jobs and land remained very much outstanding, if you may. I also think it was interesting that if you looked at them in 2019 versus now, in 2019, they kept saying they were government-in-waiting, but yearning for an example to show themselves mm. as capable of governing and now in 2024 they are co-governing across multiple municipalities but do they have a good example of their co-governing for instance will they that come to the people and say Bob. in Ekurulen, you look at what we've been able to do in johannesburg when we held a position there at some point um for mmc of this and that look at what we were able to do i mean do they have a good story to tell i think i think if they did something they would have flagged that they don't at the moment what they have at the moment is we are in the room. In terms of what they've been able to achieve in the room, you are not seeing it because it's not there at the moment. In Johannesburg, the state of Joburg, you look around you, they're co-governing and they often shift responsibility. In fact, everybody who's at the table in, in Johannesburg shifts the table. The ANC shifts itself away from responsibility, so does the EFF. And Kuruleni, there's a big back and forth between the Auditor General and the city over the audit reports. So even there, and I live here, and I can tell you that you've seen the erosion, if you may, the 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 the, the decay that's sitting in. So for me, from where I stand at the moment, I don't see that, and they don't talk about it as much because it's not there. If it was. There's not a party that's shy of showing off its achievements. It would do so. They were speaking about cleaning up trash in our townships in Ikurileni. That should have been part of the conversation if they thought they'd done it successfully. So the fact that it was absent should tell you everything you need to know. Siri Madia, EWN Politics Editor, thank you very much. We'll chat with you again uh, around the same time next week after the DA. Um, uh, the DA is expected to launch its manifesto this coming weekend in Pretoria. We'll bring Siri back. Uh, next Monday, uh, just to look at how that has gone and what, of course, the DA is promising to you. And we'll bring one of the DA leaders as well, just like we did with the EFF, to come and talk to us about their plans. It's 1031.